Welcome to another edition of the About Mansfield Consumer Advice Series. It is time to talk about trademarks. And, you know, check this out. The NCAA, did you know that they own over 100 trademarks? How do you keep track of over 100 trademarks? Yeah, we're talking about protecting your brand, not only because you've got one trademark, but you've got multiple trademarks protecting your brand. We're talking again with trademark attorney Susanna Mahady right here on the podcast. The topic today is 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 really protecting your brand and and how do you protect a brand when you have a mass amount of brands and in this case uh, you and I did some research before we started this this podcast and the NCAA owns somewhere somewhere between 78 and 120 trademarks mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Which, which I believe is more than the NFL, yeah, and, and NFL having to do with Super Bowl and all this. How does how does a company keep track and 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 really protect a brand of such uh, uh, such size magnitude? Huh? Yeah, I mean, and and I think this is something we touched upon before, even when we were talking about the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, that obviously there are very different there's several different ways to do that they are very very protective of their brand obviously because there's a lot of money involved i mean just just the term march madness alone it, it i mean the, the connotation is is already that of you know this big tournament lots of of excitement college basketball is a big big deal and it's really a crazy and exciting time in sports so you will um hear March Madness being used a lot. And when it's used for marketing purposes or with a business, that's when you can get into hot water because, you know, the NCAA is very, very protective of of this brand and they will come after you. I mean, they've been known to be very aggressive in, in coming out, going after bars that are promoting, you know, March Madness events or, or, or specials without first securing a license, right? And, and I'm and I'm looking at uh, this this list that I that I came across. It's not only just promoting March Madness, but if I've got a restaurant or a sports bar and uh, I want to use the term "the road to Oklahoma City" or "United as One," I'm not sure what the NCAA, NCAA has used for that, but. Uh, Final Four Friday, Women's Elite Eight, or just Elite Eight in general, or Sweet 16. Uh, or the Big Dance. I mean, all of those are very well known, and and they have people ready to file. I mean, once they start using a name or a brand, I mean, the first thing that you should do is file for a registration because that's how you get protection, right? I mean, a lot of people may be using a name, and they just sit on it and wait, and you know, somebody will beat you to the punch. It's almost like it's it's interesting because I was doing some research on March Madness. Yeah. And this was actually a, a term that originated in Chicago in reference to high school basketball. Hmm. And it was it wasn't until maybe 40 years later that it was brought up by a sportscaster in connection with the NCAA tournament. 
Um, this was someone who had worked as a sportscaster in Chicago and was familiar with the use of the term in high school basketball. And so the NCAA right away tried to trademark that name, but they were beat to the punch by the Illinois High School Association, who originally owned the mark after buying the rights to it from some production company in Chicago. But eventually, the NCAA, obviously, they're well-funded. They ended up buying the um, ownership share in that trademark from the Illinois High School Association, and they have aggressively protected it ever since. Wow. Uh, everything's for sale. Under the sun, everything's for sale. But just the, the importance of it is that, obviously, you don't know, you don't realize how much a brand or a name can grow. And so the NCAA obviously saw that opportunity. and people. You know, if you start using a, a name or a brand, it's best to just register it and, and own it so that you can protect it. You know, you don't want to be having to deal with big companies or big entities like NCAA um, mm -hmm. later on in the future. And I would assume there have been some small companies that, oh, I've got this logo or I've got this 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 motto, this slogan, and they put the little TM over there, which doesn't necessarily mean they've registered it and right. someone larger has come in and swooped it up because right, right. that's what they were interested in. Right. And and you may be using it in your small town, but you know, with the, with the internet and everything going, you know, national or the, the, the lines are kind of getting blurred in terms of, you know, jurisdictions and borders. It's, you know, it's, it, it's very possible that somebody in another state may be using that name and you don't know it. And so you need to, if you register it federally, then you are protected nationwide. But, you know, some, and you being a small business, for instance, may not have the means or the funds to be able to fight the NCAA, for example. And, and, you know, and you should know, I mean, they have gone after some small businesses. I mean, I know there's been car dealerships that were sued for promoting, you know, markdown madness, or, I mean, I read somewhere that there was a small um, Virginia urology practice that was advertising vasectomy madness. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually, um, you know, the NCAA came after them. Wow. But, you know, just remember, I mean, obviously you can, you can license the use of the name. And that's another thing to remember with your brand that it has value because if it becomes something that people want to use, you can license it and make money. And I don't know what licensing would cost if you want to use, um, you know, March Madness or anything similar um, when you try to negotiate a license with the NCAA. But I can tell you that it's probably less expensive than, than having to pay for a lawsuit for trademark infringement. I would think so. Let's go back to Trademark 101. So if someone has an idea, they've got a logo that what what's the process that someone would go through to to get it trademarked? So the first thing I always recommend is to do a real comprehensive search. And there are methods of doing that. I mean, you can do an, a, a, gener a generic search originally through maybe Google or, you know, there's other ways that you can do searches through the, the Patent and Trademark Office. But those are not comprehensive enough. Um, we use a system that allows you to really comb through um, you know, Secretary of State 
filings or social media pages, anything and everything that may pop up to show that that name that you're using or or you're hoping to use is available and somebody else doesn't own it. Because obviously, besides you wanting to register something, you want to make sure that you're not infringing on anybody else. Here's an interesting question. All right. So I've got a friend who has a business. Now, the business uh, is is four words, and it's actually a term from the Bible. Would that be trademarkable? Well, I think it depends. I mean, that's isn't that the standard answer? <laughs> it depends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it depends. I, I mean, it really depends. We would have to look at what the words are, what the terms are. Are okay. they proper names? Are they, you know, it it just really something that we would have to yeah, submit we'll, and we'll, we'll talk about this research and figure out if it would work. I mean, obviously, the best names to trademark are those that are made up, right? Like somebody just combines words, something that you know that nobody else is, well, you hope that nobody else has come up with right. and, what's, and are creative. What's an Adidas? Exactly. What's a Nike? Yeah. yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. What's a Google? Yeah. It, uh, and then, as you mentioned back in one of our uh, earlier podcasts, that if you are going to trademark a logo, it should be done in black and white. Yes, the logos are better. I mean, of course, there are exceptions to that. Look at the Tiffany box, right? Mm, we all know yeah. what that that green color represents. Or Coca-Cola, I mean, they have that red can. So there are some brands that have established I mean, they've identified themselves through that color that they that they um, that they use in their branding, but for the most part, it's always best to start, you know, with a black and white uh, design because then you're protected in every color. Otherwise, if you do it in a particular color, you're limited to that color. If someone wanted to reach out to Susanna Mahady to talk about how to register for a trademark or how to protect their trademark or trademark infringement and looking for a trademark and attorney, how can they reach out to Susanna Mahady? They can always find me through my website at www.mahadylaw.com. And that is spelled M-A-H-A-D-Y-L-A-W.com. Or you can email me directly at smahady at mahadylaw.com. Susanna Mahady, I know you'll be in front of a TV on Saturday, won't you? Yes, yes. Got a root for my my team. All right. We do this every other Wednesday right here live on Facebook, and you can watch the video on YouTube or LinkedIn. You can listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Susanna, we'll see you in two weeks. See you soon. We appreciate you listening to the About Mansfield Consumer Advice Series. By the way, if you own a business and you are interested in being a part of the Consumer Advice Series, if you have the knowledge to give information in 10-minute increments, to the consumers, shoot me an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. Again, that is info at aboutmansfield.com. We'll tell you how we can get you all set up. Appreciate it. We do it again next week right here on the podcast.